It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films, one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from Journal.com. And I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 49 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. No problem. Why, thank you. So I'm not even going to say anything. What's up, Heather? What's going on? (laughs) That's what you get for doing that. (laughs) Well, I brought some Pirate of the Caribbean ride facts with me today since we're talking the 50th anniversary. 50th anniversary. I have to remind her of everything around here. <laughs> I was going to say It's that. only the most important ride in the history of the world. Come on. I was going to say that, but I was questioning myself for some reason. And that's what she does. Anyways. Mind she mutt. Hit him with a soup. Here, doggy. Here, here. Doggy. Nice doggy. Belay that talk. We want the keys, not the mutt, you swab. Can't you reach any further, you stub-winged bilge rat? Grab his tail. Go on, grab that. Don't Here scare you go, him. dearie. Come on, have an ice bone, eh? It's a good The load. grotto is 70 feet below ground level in the original basement You're of the kidding. 70 old... feet below ground level? No, it's in the basement. Yeah. You didn't know that, right? I don't... I'm trying to remember now. I don't remember... It doesn't seem going like down? it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going 70 feet down... In the basement of the old Blue Bayou Mart. And it's actually under the train tracks and everything. You're kidding. Jeez. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. It'd, It'd be made... so awesome to get a behind-the-scenes tour of not just the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, but the entire Disneyland park to see what's oh, yeah. actually there. That's yeah. got to be some incredible stuff. Well, you know that the Pirates of the Caribbean ride was supposed to be a more like a walkthrough ride, yeah, right? With, that's right. Yeah. They had to actually expand it to make it the actual ride uh, and so that they didn't have room at the time they ended up pulling out like parking and geez. making this underground thing and yeah, yeah that's the thing we get rid of parking and now everybody hates that but everybody <laughs> loves parts of the caribbean so it's like it's kind of a trade-off there you're like oh my god you got rid of parking that's already a nightmare yeah and the train tracks were an issue and so they had to kind of figure all this out. So the best way, best thing to do was to go underground with it huh, into no the basement. Kidding. So yeah, didn't know you were below ground that far, huh, did you? I ya? did not, no. <laughs> I should be used to being below ground. <laughs> I guess that was a poor reference to me maybe being dead inside or, <laughs> yeah. or being drowned by you. I don't I'm, even know I'm where I was exactly going with that. Sure. <laughs> nope, nobody does. They're all that poor, poor man. <laughs> At the time when they created the ride, They had the skeletons in there, right? The replica skeletons back then did not look real. And Uh so they didn't like the look of them. So they actually went and got real human skeletons and put them in the ride. That's where I'm going to put you when you're gone. (laughs) I'm going to have you just skeletonized and then I'm just going (laughs) to drop you off out there. Maybe on the beach or something in the the ride. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Live Live out the rest of my life in a... Yeah, so I'll Pirates probably of the Caribbean ride. Yeah, so I think I'll I'll do that, and I'll maybe bleach your bones and all that kind of there good you stuff. Go. 
I'll do a idea. home job, maybe. Maybe I'll do that at the house. Goodness. <laughs> you may want to put a disclosure. So if I do end up dead, <laughs> no, I'm not. Not. people aren't blaming you. <laughs> we heard. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she, she's dead? Man, you should hear the show. You should check that guy's house. He's probably turning in her skeleton. Bleaching her bones. If you can't find her, check the Pirates of the Caribbean ride skeleton. She may be hidden amongst them. God, that'd be awful if I came up missing and this came up. and That'd be awful. I'll be in prison going, why did I say that? Yeah. Man, worst decision ever. So they were actually changed, the bones were actually changed out when they were able to get a more convincing facsimile of them made. Huh. So they didn't look fake in there. No, you got to leave the real, real ones in there, though. They pulled them out. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. They pulled them out and put fake stuff. And then huh. they, they properly buried them oh, in the... Oh, they were afraid the, of bad juju, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> they buried them properly where they should have been you buried. You know somebody and... was seeing ghosts there. You know it. <laughs> you like, know the employees there working at night are like getting haunted. There's a haunting there. <laughs> it's possible. I don't the, know. The there, person, I didn't find anything with that, but the person didn't realize he's actually in the haunted mansion. He's like, we got to get rid of the skeletons, <laughs> or it's just bad PR. Eventually, it comes out, especially the internet days now. It's all over the place. Boy, Disneyland has real skeletons, ooh, ooh. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's pretty cool, though. <laughs> yeah, we also talked a few episodes ago. I don't remember how many about the hidden Mickey's. Yeah, the hidden Mickey's. Well, uh-huh. there is a hidden Mickey in the ride. Oh, really? No kidding. Their cannonballs have left craters in the wall of the fort to create a hidden Mickey. Really? Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. I'll have yeah. to try and scour for some images, but I haven't seen that before. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, they said that they were always hiding images. The Imagineers were took it as a challenge to hide this hidden Mickey wherever yeah. they could. So very cool. Very cool. That's all I'm going to give you today. We'll be back tomorrow with some more... Ride facts. Heather just ended the show. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow. Anyways, in the previous minute, Norrington plays the fool and gets outsmarted by Jack Sparrow, Captain Jack Sparrow, who along with Will Turner swings successfully from the Dauntless to the Interceptor, cut the tie lines and give proper thanks to Norrington for making the ship ready for sail. As we watch the proverbial red face and smoke billowing from his ears, Norrington tells his officer to get the long nines ready as he'd rather see the ship at the bottom of the ocean than in the hands of a pirate. Minute 49 begins with the steersman fishing... Fishing. <laughs> he's just... They're fighting, but they're, he's leisurely he's fishing. fishing. yeah. They're like, what the hell are you doing, steersman? Man the damn helm! Man the damn helm! I got me a big guy here! We gotta go get the interceptor! No, I'm fishing! <laughs> yeah. That poor guy. He doesn't even know what he's doing. Anyways... The steersman finishes his thought that Captain Jack Sparrow had disabled the rudder chain, sir. We cut to Gillette and his longboat crew of eight, just in time for them to abandon ship as the Dauntless crushes it to driftwood. I'd say eats it. Eats it to driftwood. There you go. As Norrington bows his head in shame, the officer states, that's got to be the best pirate I've ever seen. The minute ends with Will asking Jack if he knew his father, to which he replies, I knew him. I'd like to talk more about the fishing. We're not talking more about the fishing. (laughs) I had a plan in mind when I said that. That wasn't even a mistake. I was setting up this elaborate joke and you fell right into it. I'm like Captain Jack Sparrow. I think multiple moves ahead and you fell right into my trap. Oh, The last one I seen fishing was that little boy on the dock. (laughs) That's who I was talking about. I was rehashing that minute. I don't know what your problem is. What's actually going on 
is usually I like to end on the black note of some death or some kind of weird destruction or something. But today I thought I would somehow try to weave a beginning into this as we're starting to talk about the minute. So the guy who drove the stake into Norrington's heart, or at least delivered the news that killed Norrington, is the steersman. Or the guy that we were just talking about fishing. Like his title suggests, he's the one who really steers the ship. But this guy, Christian Martin, is the actor who played it. He has a handful of acting credits spanning a few films, shorts, and spots on TV here and there, but nothing really spectacular or applicable to us. Really, I just wanted to introduce him as the guy who drove that stake into Norrington's <laughs> heart by telling him, you know, basically we're not going to be able to get the long nines in range and turned around because he disabled the rudder chain, which just obliterates Norrington. Oh, yeah. His ego was starting to go down, and now it's just like a pile of garbage. Yeah, he just... He doesn't know what to do with himself. It reminds me of Airplane, the movie, when they say, like, or is it Airplane 2? Maybe it's Airplane 2. Airplane or Airplane? Airplane, the first one, going back and forth. How many times can I say Airplane? Airplane 2, Airplane, (laughs) Airplane 2. Anyways, Airplane. When they go, Simon's turned to jelly, and he's just this big jelly blob. This is what I see Norrington as now, a big kind of jelly blob. He had everything all under control, he thought. He's taking back his ship. Jack's an idiot. Look, we've already caught up to him. We're already boarding it. He's in the cabin or in the bilge, whatever. Then, no, it's not. Norrington's turned to jelly. Yeah. This poor guy, he's got his head hung in either shame or disbelief that that um, Jack actually outran him, I guess I would say. Outran him or outsmarted him? Outsmarted him. him. You can say outran. Outran yeah. mentally. Yeah. And he did. And no, Norrington believes that. And then his officer turns around and just says, yeah, you know, he is the best pirate. Norrington (laughs) has to admit it. So it would appear. But the real story here is that I get that Captain Sparrow disabled the rudder chain and now the Dauntless can't be steered. But I'm completely lost with what's going on. How did the ship make a 180 degree turn and is now facing Port Royal so quickly? Oh, I figured it out. You Really? This ought to be good. Yeah, you know those whirlpools underwater? A whirlpool? Yeah. It got, yeah. Underwater or in the water? (laughs) In the water. Okay. So it got stuck in one of those, and that's how it ended up going the opposite direction. That's possible. So that could be the first whirlpool that we see now, but actually comes into play in later movies. So you're basically just foreshadowing and saying, hey, whirlpools are an established Pirates of the Caribbean occurrence, and we'll see it later on. Exactly. That's what happened. That is possibly the best explanation I have for it. I couldn't find anything. I didn't really see anybody talking about it online either. Norrington says in the last minute to raise the top sails so they can get the long nines in position to fire on the interceptor. So the ship is now moving. I mean, the sails are up, so there is movement to uh-huh. it. But these ships, I just don't think, turn on a dime like that. Unless there's a whirlpool underneath them. Unless there's a whirlpool that Heather has now theorized. So it wasn't that long since he says this. And then we cut to Gillette's longboat facing the Dauntless head on. It doesn't seem possible it made such a turn so quickly and without doing so with the control of a rudder. I'm just, I just don't think that that happened. I mean, movie magic whirlpools is about the best explanation I have for that. Unless, for some odd reason, Gillette came around and went to the bow of the boat. Gillette's men were so buff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that they were able to just row that boat. They were so on the ball that they passed them all. And the, and Gillette's like, whoa, we just passed them. 
So they had to row back, and that's where they got trapped. That's exactly. possible, too. So it's got to be one of the two things there. Well, Can't be anything else. I did look at one of those guys, and he did look like Barry. And when I say Barry, I mean the Flash. So the Flash was rowing that boat, and that's how they got out there so quickly. That's the only thing I can maybe, think of. Maybe that's what happened. So Whirlpool or comic superheroes yes. are the two options we have of how this actually transpired. Unless Superman came down. <laughs> oh, man. And pushed them. You couldn't just leave it alone. You had to take it one step further, <laughs> didn't you? I like the Whirlpool. Whirlpool it is. Well, am I missing something? So if there's somebody out there, anybody out there that has some insight on this, maybe somebody that has maritime nautical experience that could tell us about this and to see how this might happen, let us know on social media or shoot us an email at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. Maybe we're off base here and this could have happened. I mean, I could see the rudder stuck in that position, you know, to turn the boat. But then it's heading but- straight. If it's stuck in a position that it's turned and so it tur- is able to turn around, uh-huh. then it would be turning in circles. It's coming head on to these guys. It's coming straight at them. Yeah. How did the boat turn how- boat? How did the ship turn around? I don't know. Nobody the knows. Whirlpool. Somebody's got to tell us. Somebody's got to help us out. This is why we need to take up the listener's crew idea and put it to good use and have a Facebook group discussion on this. Somebody on Twitter actually mentioned that. Spencer mentioned, hey, we should do something like that. And we were thinking about it beforehand, and it was something that was in the Movies by Minute Makers group, kind of behind the scenes talking about the importance of having listener groups and Facebook groups to discuss some of these things. So maybe this is why we need one, to help solve these riddles that cannot be solved just by my brain power alone and then having a sidekick handicap there that i got to help along. That's a little rude. Oh, didn't did I say you your want, name? Do you, you just want assume? My help? You just assume that oh, I was yeah, talking I assume. about you. <laughs> what are you talking about? The dogs? <laughs> I mean, seriously. It just came out. It slipped out. I was actually you just know, talking. If about you want help, <laughs> if you want me to continue to do this, if you don't want a loan show, you better be a little nice. The loan show. <laughs> Come visit us at blackpearlnet.com <laughs> yeah. for the loan show. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like those two ladies on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Talking about their bait goods today on whatever we're having sweaty balls. <laughs> okay, this is getting away yeah, from is, us again. Okay, woo. Let's get back to the story here. So the officer tells or says that's got to be the best pirate I've ever seen. As as he's saying this, he's talking to Norrington. He's actually smirking. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did notice that, and I had it somewhere in my notes, but I probably won't be able to find it just yet. But yeah, he is, actually I do, I did find it. So yeah, he's breaking a smile as he's telling Jack that he's the best pirate that he's ever seen. And actually, I my line for that, to remember what I was talking about You're calling Norrington Jack, though? Well, the officer who says Jack was the best pirate he's ever oh, seen is okay. what I meant, if okay. I didn't say that, is the one who broke the smile. And so the officer, my note for that was that the officer verbally bitch slaps Norrington yeah. with You're that. Sp- Watch your language. Beep. You're going to have to go, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Is this just healthy competition between him and Norrington? Why is he smiling about this? Because this is obviously not... Maybe Norrington wronged him or superseded him in position, jumped. Maybe, because he he was the actual guy that Norrington was told, what, two minutes ago? The but Jack's pirate. the worst pirate That's he's right. ever seen. When he was looking through the telescope. You know, he was the same guy. And then the guy turns around and says... It's the best pirate I've ever seen. This is the guy. So, yeah. I mean, he really takes that opportunity to slap his boss, basically. Yeah. 
So I'm wondering if this guy has been telling Norrington the whole time, saying, hey, we need to really think about how we're treating Jack and thinking about him. And Norrington's like, get the hell out of here. Stick with what you're doing. This is a, an obviously goofball pirate doesn't know what he's talking about. And so he's been trying to get Norrington to do something, and he never does it. And finally it bites Norrington and how this is his chance to get revenge on that and just say, yeah, you didn't know what you were talking about. Yeah. I did have an idea about the symbolism of the longboat being crushed by the Dauntless. And so I was wondering, is that... Eaten Nor- by the Dauntless. Eaten by the Dauntless. Is that Norrington's dreams of catching Jack, really? Norrington's dream of catching Jack, crushed? the boat, the longboat. Mm. Or for that matter, seeing all pirates experience a short drop and sudden stop. Is this his dream of Jack and pirates and catching him and then... Basically, he crushes his own dreams <laughs> because he's not able to see the big picture here. Is that what's going on here? Is that maybe, maybe the symbol? Maybe. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. Because Norrington's really got it out for Jack now. Well, Norrington's his worst enemy because he's underestimating Jack. And so if he would just estimate Jack, as we say, right, then he wouldn't fall to the trap. Yeah. And so his dreams of catching pirates and catching Jack maybe wouldn't have fallen by the wayside or failed. Right. So maybe that's it. That's why it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you want to call it. The one thing we didn't mention is that when the steersman says Jack disabled the rudder chain, this is actually a callback to minute 46 when Will and Jack are climbing aboard the Dauntless. They're using the lobster trap and rope to climb the stern. This is also how they disable the rudder. They got it all tangled up on the rudder. Right. So it's a full circle kind of dual purposes here. At least that we're, our theory is that that's what they use to climb the stern. Yeah, it seemed they would impossible need something. Yeah. yeah, so it all comes back yeah. to that. That tangled mess. Oh, what a tangled the... web we weave! <laughs> <laughs> if at first we don't succeed, oh my gosh, you just completely did destroyed I? that. Yeah, you did. What is it? Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Oh, yeah, I, I really jacked it up. <laughs> oh yeah, Jack Sparrow did up. <laughs> No, Jack Sparrow's smarter than that. <laughs> That's true. I do have a potential bit of fact here, too. Okay. Yeah, weird. I have a fact this time. I'm not making something up. <laughs> or maybe yes. I am. We see the HMS Dauntless and the HMS Interceptor flying the British Blue Ensign. According to one source I found, because I did not do any real research on this, it just happened upon it. So I took with it and ran with it without checking my sources. Seems appropriate sounds, these days. Sounds right to me. Yeah. Prior to 1864, the color of the Royal Navy vessel's ensign was determined by its posting. The color of the Caribbean squadron's ensign was red, as should have been the Dauntless and the Interceptor. Blue was the color of South Atlantic, Pacific, and Indian Oceans. What do you... What's the flag. Ins- oh, that flag. The flag, when you see the flag there. Okay. So that's what it is. You were so caught up on the word ensign, you I, completely I missed everything I, I just said. And, I, and I'm not going back there. That's I'm okay, because everybody else caught it. They weren't caught up. Heather was so, she was, you should have seen her. Her mind was <laughs> so focused on like Ensign. Is that Ensign Wesley Crusher, I mean? I was searching the boat in my mind as to what this could be. <laughs> yeah. And she missed it. And that was such a pivotal piece to this whole minute. Oh, really? We could just end the minute here. Really? Yeah, really. And we would all be good and satisfied, but we have to continue on because of you. And you missed it. Of course, we get Norrington. I don't even know where to begin. This is going crazy here. So, of course, we get Norrington finally realizing that Jack is one hell of a pirate. 
So it would seem. Yeah, so it would seem. I mean, he covered all the scenarios, everything Norrington could do to stop Jack. He already thought of it and thwarted his efforts, as we just said. He crushed his longboat dreams. And then we have the officer who verbally bitch slaps him. So, <laughs> yeah, he must have wronged that officer somewhere. It's just a great somewhere. day for Norrington. <laughs> just a great day for Norrington. He's going to have pleasant dreams tonight. Uh, I'm not sure he'll be sleeping. No, not if he has to answer to we lost the interceptor. Yeah, at least he didn't blow it up. At least there was no emails or phones where he had to call somebody up. He's like, thank God this won't get there forever. Send the letter. It'll take forever to get there. Make sure you get it on that slow boat. Yeah. Didn't I see a Jolly Mon? Somebody take the Jolly Mon and take this letter to the Royal Crown. Then we head out to sea. Did you have anything else on the interceptor? Yeah, the interceptor's actually sailing away and you see the British flag... Flapping in the wind. And the then, ensign. Yes, the ensign. The inside, <laughs> however you want to say it. And then you see a, the Commodore's flag atop the mast. Is that what there. that is? Yeah, it's, it's got that. It comes to a point. A pennant? Yes. A yes. broad pennant? Yes. All right. That, that would be the Commodore's flag saying mm-hmm. there's a Commodore on board. So, Well, Jack technically a Commodore. Will, who <laughs> wants to be Commodore the Commodore? <laughs> Technically, there's a Commodore on board. He's actually left fixing his rudder chain. He left. You mentioned the Interceptor heading out to sea, and I really love this shot. It's the open ocean ahead of them. There's some great music, and it's just complete freedom. Yeah. What the hell? You just stole my thing. (laughs) I I was leading up to this. I was leading up to this. It's complete freedom, and it's free. They're free. And it's like, what what is going on here with you today? I don't know. Well, it's also this transition from action. So we kind of get, we have this big action sequence kind of, at, well, it is fairly big. They're stealing a ship. It's pretty hefty duty action. It's not cannibal action, but it's a stealing a ship action. So it's okay. And it provides this mechanism or this opportunity for us to learn a bit about the characters and they can learn about each other. And this is when they, because there's kind of a quiet time on the deck, if you will. Yeah, where Will's kind of telling his story. Will's, again, playing with his sword. He's sharpening his sword. This guy needs to leave his sword alone. He's going to go blind if he doesn't leave his sword alone. I got something to say about that. You don't have anything about that joke? That was gold joke. (laughs) That was golden. What the heck? (laughs) I just came up with that, too. It's not even like I had a note there. Hey, have a sword joke. I just came up with that, and it's golden. He's going to go blind and all this. And you just... Man! Oh, but you'll pay attention to Ensign and the flag. Man, you'll laser <laughs> no, focus no, on I'll that. No, I'll just pay attention to Ensign and go on from there. Man, my God. I'm anyway, sorry, I missed your joke. It's too late now. So he's just sharpening his sword with a whetstone. And then he begins to tell Jack about his parents. And then there's this ubiquitous bonding moment that we often find in films. But what's funny here, I think, in the tongue-in-cheek part, is Jack doesn't give a shit, ah! if you will. About what's going on. He, he goes about his business sailing the ship. Well, my thing is, you've got you've got Will here sharpening his sword, or oh, as yeah. you want to say, his weapon <laughs> of choice, or whatever you want to say. His sword? <laughs> he, he's working his sword? Something you say? say <laughs> now you can throw the jokes in and expect a laugh out of that? What the heck? So, but you, then you have Jack running around and... Operating the ship and actually getting it ready, you know, getting it sailing and doing this and that. Well, shouldn't Will be helping with this? Doesn't there need to be more going on? And Well, probably, but he doesn't know what to do. And he's more busy trying to give some story information to Jack and trying to have this bonding moment, like I said. 
But Jack is just like, oh, really? And he moves along and is doing his thing. Because I don't think he really cares what Will is talking about. The only time he does start to pay attention is when Will says he's not a simpleton. He knows that Jack changed his mind when he found out who his father was. And then Jack is not happy about having to answer that question. He gets this worried look on his face. Like, why are we going here? Do you really want to talk and bond about this? Why do you want to know if I knew your father kind of deal? I thought he was getting kind of annoyed and kind of rolling his eyes and... She's like, oh, God, come on. Do we have to go here? Well, that's part of it, I mean, seriously, it, yeah. dude. Well, that's what yeah, I'm thinking. Can't we just sail in peace? I'm so peaceful here. This is a place that's I like That's what to be. happens. Men can sit in silence in a car. They don't have to yak at each other. Are you they, sure about that? They don't have to. They can just sit there. And Jack is going, why can't we just sit here? Why do we have to be talking about this? And I'm wondering if Jack's not interested in this because he's using Will and Will is kind of starting something that happens when maybe you're starting to become friends or something. He's really trying to delve into some personal stuff and Jack doesn't want to be friends with him, doesn't want to really know anything about him because he's just using him to get to Tortuga to go from there. Oop, we don't really know Tortuga yet. Now you just made me jump the scene. Good job. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because he's looking, not Tortuga, to get the Black Pearl back, to go after the Black Pearl. Yes. That's what we wanted to say. So, I mean, what do you think about that? Why is this? Why is Jack disinterested in this? Is it because he doesn't want to become friends? Well, I can't really imagine that he cares about bursting Will's bubble about his father or life. I mean, can you? Well, he does. N- I don't know. I think... I think Jack actually, deep down, has, he's pretty, thinks about people's feelings and stuff to a point. And he knows that Will hates pirates. You know, he's got this thing against him. And that it possibly is going to rock the boat. Earn a ship. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so you're, again, you're allowed to make the jokes and you want laughs out of that. To the point you're going to make me laugh by doing the wink, wink. <laughs> That's rude. Oh, yeah, my golden joke goes unnoticed. Dang it. (laughs) He's going to rock the boat telling him his dad's a pirate. And he really doesn't want to go there. He doesn't want to deal with that. Especially right now. Well, he definitely doesn't. When he's using him, he doesn't want to bond with him when he's using him. He doesn't want to become his friend. Isn't that what he's doing? Yeah, but it just clicked. So. And some of this we want to save to the next minute when we actually get to the heart of some of these things. But yeah, you're going to bring them up now. Well, Go for you're it. the one asked. So he's sitting there looking annoyed and looking like, I really don't want to go here with this guy. This is just going to cause problems. Just just do your own thing. I'm I'm doing mine. You do yours. Polish your stick over there. And- <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it's a sword and he was using a whetstone, by the way, to sharpen it. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> so anyway... That's my thoughts on the subject. Yeah, that's uh, that's basically what I think. I think that there's just some, let's just leave this alone and do what we have to do and let's not talk. Yeah. Unless we're talking about the ship. Speaking of the ship, when Jack's up the stairs, Will climbs the stairs, you notice the gun ports are open. Huh, on the interceptor. On the interceptor, the gun ports are open and, and the cannons are kind of poking out. Well, that's probably because Norrington's crew, before they completely abandoned the Interceptor to go onto the Dauntless, were prepared for some kind of battle, or at least they weren't sure what was going to happen when they approached the Dauntless, and they wanted to be prepared. But, okay, you take down the Interceptor, which is a small boat, or smaller ship, excuse me, right? Which we, uh, fastest, but smaller ship. But would you really be willing to take down the Dauntless? I don't know if it... 
I don't know if they would have to take it down or just or just threaten. Yeah, or to come out there. Yeah, so they're coming out there with the cannon ports open, so it is a threatening maneuver. And maybe they were ready to fire if necessary, or to fire a few shots if necessary, and then they would just make repairs later on if needed. But and, I don't think they would be prepared to sink the Dauntless. And not to say it's manned enough for this, but the Dauntless has a hundred guns on the sucker. Well, there's only Jack and well, Will. So I, I'm it's not just like, saying. I mean, again, you'd need the flash to accomplish firing <laughs> all those things. But you can't. You don't have to keep reloading. You well, know they what still I mean? Have to load them. Load them initially. Oh, I don't know, do but I'm just have. saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I don't know how long it takes to load a cannon. I, I didn't look into that because I didn't expect this, but for Jack and Will alone. Jack can load, Will can light. Jack, load, light, load, light. Well, that's a lot of work. They're anchored. I don't know if we even want to touch your crazy crackpot theory on this, so we'll just pretend <laughs> like it doesn't even exist. It's probably best. Yeah. <laughs> just a thought. You're getting into Bugs Bunny cartoon, not as a trickster, but actually as cartoon figures here. But it just seems strange that the they would actually fire on the Dauntless. Yeah, if I don't it know came if they, to I don't, it. Well, he's willing to sink the Interceptor. But the Dauntless is... They knew that they weren't going to be able to get it out of there, so I think it was just part of a threatening maneuver... Yeah. And then Jack and Will have other things going on. They're not going down below to close all the ports yet. Maybe that's something else that they would do later on. I mentioned earlier the phrase tongue-in-cheek when Jack didn't really care about Will talking about his parents. And it reminded me of something that the writers were talking about. While doing a spot of research for writing the draft screenplay, it was mentioned that they watched the old movies like Captain Blood and The Seahawk to emulate tongue-in-cheek and real stakes movies. Also... They watch some of the unsuccessful box office films like Cutthroat Island to avoid those pitfalls and make sure they get it right. So what I really found interesting on that is the writer's perspective because they came in and they were really interested in seeing whose shoulders they were standing on as far as pirate movies go. This is going to be a pirate movie. They want it to be successful. Who really had that same tone? Who was really successful? Why were they successful? Because they one day hope to be kind of in the same league and to take what worked and then create something new and modern with that. They wanted to be in, in good company and to know who who paved that trail in the past that they could use to make success in the future, or at least in the future at the time for their movie. Mm -hmm. So it's just always interesting to see how much research they do go into that and why we see some elements or inspiration that comes in to this particular movie Bugs that Bunny? came from, not Bugs Bunny, but came in from some of the other movies. And we were talking about the Crimson Pirate the other day about the rowboat scene being used, say, as a makeshift submarine and those kinds of things that are callbacks to some of these other movies that show up. And so there's probably a nod of thanks and we liked it. And it's just a, a good way to say we appreciate what you did and we really liked your hmm. movie. And now they can insert that into the movie of today and their movie as that kind of subtle thanks for doing that. And, right. And we really appreciate what you did and your inspiration yourself and you inspired us. That's really cool, actually. Yeah. So that's all I got. I'm going to end on inspiration, wow. which is weird. No way. No that death and destruction. No, I did that in the beginning, so I figured I'd turn things over and have a new, wow. a new way a to new do things. A new outlook on life? Ah! <laughs> Let's not get that crazy. Same, wow. old, same old outlook. I'm just spinning it on its head today. <laughs> so we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 50 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, 
Let's keep the horn swoggling and sword sharpen to a minimum. Aye, avast! Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Have something to say? Then give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. If you like the show, then do us a favor and leave a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can also contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash pirates of the Caribbean minute, twitter.com slash blackpearlmen, and on soundcloud.com slash pirates of the Caribbean, where we post additional content, have post-episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags.